This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. It's not something anyone wants to think about as we face a third year of COVID-19. But could this happen again? A new study in the prestigious scientific journal Nature has asked that question and answered it with a resounding yes. As climate change forces wild animals to share shrinking habitats, more species are meeting and sharing viruses for the first time. And any number of those viruses could jump to humans. Ed Yong is a science writer for The Atlantic, and he wrote about the study and this new so-called pandemicine era that we're entering, a future defined by pandemics. He joins us now. Hi, Ed. Great to have you back on the show. Hi, thanks for having me again. Explain viral spillover, this phenomenon where viruses move between species. How does it work? So we know that um, viruses can uh, occasionally hop from their standard hosts into new species, including us. And this, this process can set off new pa- epidemics or pandemics, as we're currently seeing. The point of this new study that, that we're talking about is that climate change makes the odds of those events way more likely because uh, animals around the world are being forced to move into new air parts of the world um, to track their preferred environmental conditions in a warming world. As they do that, species that never previously coexisted will encounter each other for the first time, giving opportunities for their distinct viruses to hop into each other. Um, So the odds of those spillovers are greatly increased in a world that's warmer. I mean, imagine you're playing Russian roulette with a gun that has a million chambers in it. Mm -hmm. The odds that you might get shot are very small, but climate change essentially loads more of the chambers with bullets and means that we're pulling the trigger way more times. Mm. The numbers in this study's results are are mind-boggling. 300,000 first encounters between species that haven't interacted historically over the next decades. What do you make of that? They're huge. I think they show that the problem um, is enormous. Um, And those encounters will likely lead to about 15,000 spillovers um, where viruses enter new hosts. Now, that's not to say that all of those are going to lead to uh, a human epidemic or a pandemic. But as I said, the odds are much greater the more these um, events take place. And I think the really worrying part of this study is the realization that these events have already occurred that this isn't some problem for the far-off future, although it will get worse in the future. It is a problem that has been occurring um, and that is already upon us in this world where we're already 1.5 degrees warmer than in pre-industrial times. It means we already live in an age where climate-driven viral spillovers is a real problem. Um, We're sort of seeing um, some of the consequences of that already, but Mm -hmm. it means that what we've endured over the last Three, um, three years, this pattern of increasing um, emergence and re-emergence of diseases, that's our time now. That is the, the era in which we live. So we better become better prepared for it. And you call this new paradigm that we're entering the pandemicene. Why? And so the Anthropocene is the era that we currently live in. It's a geological epoch defined by Um, the the, uh, dominant influence of humanity upon the planet. I would argue that we now live in an age where um, our lives are going to be um, dominated by the viruses that we have unleashed upon other animals and upon ourselves. It means that these these kinds of events, new pandemics, are just going to be baked in 
to our reality, our future. And preparing them for them means a number of different things. It means getting um, better surveillance systems in place to spot these kinds of spillovers. It means um, preparing, uh, trying to identify the most problematic viruses and preparing countermeasures for them in advance. Mm -hmm. But even if we do all that, we're not going to get this risk down to zero. It's a consequence of the other changes we've inflicted upon the world, habitat loss, climate change and more. We need to prepare in a very fundamental way. We need to get our healthcare systems, our public health systems, our social safety nets ready to meet this influx of new viruses when they, when they arrive. And they will arrive. Can you help us picture where exactly these spillovers will increasingly happen? Where in the world? So a lot, so a lot of them will take place in the tropics um, simply because um, they, those contain a large diversity of animals and they contain a large diversity of, of animals um, in mountainous areas. Mountains are a problem because um, climate pushes creatures towards higher altitudes because um, those are cooler and um, species that, again, might not previously have met will start meeting in these high regions. Um, unfortunately, this new study also shows that these kinds of spillovers will disproportionately happen in areas of human habitation, in areas where people either currently live in dense settlements or will expand to in the, current, in the coming decades. So again, it's not a problem for like remote corners of the world. This is a, this is a phenomenon that is going to take place in humanity's metaphorical backyard. Um, and again, that speaks to how important it is that we prepare for these kinds of events becoming more commonplace and becoming more of a problem that we have to deal with. Yeah, talk more about what this all means for us, Ed. Will these animals trading viruses also be moving into places where humans are already living? Uh, yes, absolutely. This, this, um, these spillovers are not going to be like concentrated in the middle of some rainforest that um, no one can get to. They're going to occur um, in places that significantly overlap with where people are, which again increases the chance that these spillovers will then um, leads to spillovers that affect us. And the viruses that move between different mammals will eventually jump into um, human populations. Again, these events are quite rare. Yeah. The odds of them have been greatly increased by climate change, and they will be increased further in the future. And you said a moment ago, Ed, how important it is for us to prepare for this new phenomenon. But how do we prepare? Um, so... There are some things that we can do. We're not completely powerless. Um, by looking at um, these hotspots in the future, by trying to sample viruses and wild animals, by trying to prepare um, things like vaccines against the viruses that are most likely to cause us problems, um, we can you know, do some way to, uh, we can go some way towards reducing that risk. But as I've said, we will, we will never completely um, uh, reduce it to nothing. It, it will be part of our lives, which again is why we need to ready ourselves, our healthcare systems, our public health systems, our social safety nets, to intercept these kinds of viruses should they spill over into our populations. And that is one thing that I'm worried about because in many ways, after this pandemic, we're going to end up even worse prepared, even less prepared than we were going into it, despite our experience, because mm. I think there has been so much neglect. There's been so much further diminishment of all those things that I've talked about. Uh, there's some um, uh, public health, 
uh, our healthcare system. We, we, unfortunately, I think we'll leave this pandemic in some ways worse, um, worse off than we were going into it, which is a problem given that we're, we now live in an era where this kind of event is much more likely. Like, unless we break those cycles of panic, panic and neglect, unless we give this problem the due weight that it deserves, I think this could happen again. And, you know, I, I think it's not unfair to say that it will happen again. You're listening to Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and we are talking about a new study that found climate change will make pandemics more likely going forward as wild animals that didn't coexist historically move into new habitats to beat the heat and share viruses. With us is Ed Young, a science writer at The Atlantic. Ed, let's dig a little bit further into some of the details of the study. Can you tell us a little about the, the scientists who put this together, the simulation? Yep. So Colin Carlson and Greg Albury were the masterminds behind what they called um, cheekily the iceberg study. So named because it represents a gigantic problem, much of which is much of much of which is hidden from view, and that we are prone to colliding with with um, with catastrophic consequences. So they did this big simulation that looks at um, where. Over 3,000 different species of mammals currently are, where they are going to move to in the future, and when their ranges overlap, what are the odds that a virus is going to move from one to the other? Um, it is the biggest such study that has ever been done. A lot of scientists have predicted that climate change will make epidemics and pandemics worse and more likely, and this study um, represents the first exa- uh, attempt to really nail down the risk of that and to predict the details of that process. And that's why many of the things that we've talked about, the conclusions about this happening in our backyard, the fact that this is going to be difficult to avert, are also galling because, um, you know, we haven't really had a, a deep, intense look at the, the, the reality of the problem in the past. Yeah. The simulation looked at um, over 3,000 mammal species. Anything that it left out? Right. Well, so it left out uh, marine mammals. It left out um, things that aren't mammals, right? So birds harbor a lot of different viruses, including many dangerous strains of influenza. Um, It left out uh, pathogens that aren't viruses, like types of bacteria and fungi that could possibly harm us. So I think as galling as the numbers and the, the, the patterns that we have discussed are, you know, they really are just the, the tip of the proverbial iceberg, again, hence the, the name of this study. Um, you know, this, they're not, the, the folks I've talked to aren't overstating this problem. If anything, these are, this is a conservative take on the problem. And again, this, it speaks to why we should take this seriously and why we should try and prepare ourselves. You know, with more frequent spillovers, I think the takeaway here is that this study is suggesting that the possibility of multiple overlapping pandemics. I really just can't imagine, Ed, facing two COVID-19s at once. Like, I'm thinking I, of... I, mean, ha- I, I <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. I, I struggle to as well. Um, I actually wrote a piece about this possibility in early 2020 just to remind us that, like, I know we're all tired I, I know we are worn out. I really am. I could do with never hearing the, the P word ever again in my life. <laughs> but, you know, sadly, 
the fact that we have gone through one generation-defining society upending crisis doesn't give us a path. You know, it's not like, okay, we did this, so we're good for the next century. You know, everyone leave us alone, please. Like, it, it just doesn't work that way. The next pandemic could happen next year. It could happen right now. And the problem is we have created the conditions where these kinds of supposedly rare once-in-a-blue-moon events become that more likely. Yeah. Um, and, you know, no amount of wishful thinking is going to reduce that. We either adapt or prepare, and we either adapt and prepare, or we get taken off guard again. And after the last three years, I can't think that anyone wants that last option. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's horrible, the results of this study. Like, the, the scientists involved, like, have been harrowed by, by what they've learned. And, and what's, what's frightening is that you're saying this at a point in the pandemic, Ed, where we're relaxing masks and, and vaccine requirements. We're, we're desperately trying to go back to this pre-pandemic normal. But will there ever be a normal again? Well, as I, as I said, normal led to this. You know, normal wasn't some sort of golden age that we should long to return to. It was a baseline set of conditions that made us more likely to face down a new pathogen and more likely to be taken on a, on a, um, unawares by it. Like, is that really the state we want to go back to? Because that's where we're headed. It's not just that we're relaxing measures against COVID, which, by the way, is still very much with us and still a problem. It's also that several pieces of legislation have now been passed that make it harder to put those kinds of measures in in the future. Mm -hmm. so it's not just that we're relaxing against COVID. We're making it actively more difficult for public health and for the medical um, establishment to yeah. respond to future crises of this kind, which is why I said that in some ways we are less prepared than we currently are. Um, we'll have to I, I leave think it there. that is a, a worrying state of affairs. It sure is. Ed Yong is a Pulitzer Prize winning science writer for The Atlantic. Ed, thank you so much. Great piece. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.